You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're looking at John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. John chapter number 6. And we'll dismiss our teenagers uh, to their service at this time. And uh, John chapter number 6. And it's so good to see everybody here tonight. John chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And how many need something from God tonight? Say amen. 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 And uh, my prayer is that God helps me to deliver the message that he's given to me to encourage his people, to re-energize them, and uh, to give us something to continue living for. Amen. John chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Verse number 3, And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes... And saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is... A lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled up, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. I'd like to draw our attention to verse number 9. I'll use it as our text verse. And the last statement that it says there, but what are they among so many? My question tonight is that same question that Andrew asked to Jesus as he's presenting this small bag lunch of five barley loaves and two small fishes. What are they among so many. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the precious Word of God. And Lord, I'm unworthy, but I thank you so much for enabling me. I pray that you would help me to be filled with your power. Lord, not that I can get the applause of men, but that your name would be honored, that your name would be glorified. I pray that you would please speak to hearts tonight as only you can, for we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The question tonight is, what 
are they among so many? What are they among so many? It goes on to even point out the fact that I don't know if we have any fishermen here in the congregation here tonight. Where are avid fishermen at? Where are they at? Let's see them here. Anyone at all? Brother Joey, I know that you fish, but not avid. More hunting, huh? Any, Brother George, all right. Brother George, Hunter, all right. A few folks. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, there are some tricks of the trade with fishing. And uh, not just with catching fish, but with presenting what you caught, right? And I remember growing up, it's like when we caught a fish, even if it was a very small fish, the key to the photo was you had to uh, put the picture up real close and then hold the fish out as far as you can. Because if you hold the fish out as far as you can, when they take a picture, it makes it look like the fish is bigger than you are, right? Or the, it makes it look larger. And, uh, but uh, in this particular illustration, in this particular event, they're even coming forth. And if you know fishermen, sometimes they tend to embellish how big the fish are as well, right? Uh, probably not a lot of the time, but every now and then, oh, how big it was it? Well, it starts out about this big and then this big. And by the time the story's done, it's like we caught a few that were, you know, just some small things. But uh, I would dare say that the fish in this story were very small fish. And that was illustrated the fact that basically, what are we going to feed these people with these small fish? What are we going to feed this multitude of people who are gathered around together to see Jesus? And by the way, why are they gathered together to begin with? It says that a great multitude followed him. Why? Because they loved him? Why? Because they heard that he was Jesus, the Son of God, and wanted to come and see him for who he was. It says here, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. So here Jesus is, and he's gathered around, and he goes up into a mountain, and he's sitting around with his disciples as any good Baptist would do. He's about to have a feast, amen? And uh, you know, we're going to have a feast Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. And we want you to be there for that feast, man, and a time of prayer as well. We're looking forward to that. But they're gathered around, and they're about to have this feast. And as they're about to have this feast, Jesus asks a rhetorical question. You say, well, how do you know it was a rhetorical question? Do you think Jesus knew for a second what he wasn't going to do? No, the Bible says here, watch what it says in verse number 5. It says, then Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Which shall we buy bread that these may eat? And verse number six, it says, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. You know what? I see a problem that takes place in this portion of Scripture. And by the way, the problem, though, is only in man's eyes. And Jesus is just highlighting the fact. He's just saying, Hey, what are we going to do about food? Hey, what are we going to buy? And I would imagine that at that time that they did not have a lot of money. And uh, uh, he answers and says, hey, 200 penny worth, however, however much that was, he says, won't even, won't even feed everyone a little bit. And he says, I don't know, you know, we don't even have that much. And if we did, then it's only going to feed them a little. And we've got a lot of folks that we've got to feed. And again, he's asking this rhetorical question, if you will, a question that's asked to make a point rather than to get an answer. And the Bible says he said this to prove him. You know what an answer could have been? 
that Philip could have said, but I think Philip is a lot like us. And of course, we're not talking about the average everyday person. I mean, he was an average everyday person. We're talking about a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. And the multitude had even heard about the miracles that Jesus had done. And they were following him as a result of it, albeit they weren't his disciples. They were just following to see what was going to take place and to see what he may perhaps do next that was big and bold and powerful and impossible to take place. But we're talking about one of Jesus' disciples who's following him who's seen Jesus do miracles who's seen Jesus talk who's seen Jesus walk around and do many things and if I was there at that point in time I would hope that my answer would be when Jesus said hey what are we gonna what are we gonna do to buy all this crowd food that I would have answered and said we don't need money we've got Jesus amen and Jesus you can do whatever you want because you're all powerful and I know that you're God's son and I believe in you but yet his answer was our answer as we come upon problems and we look at it through man's eyes and not through God's eyes. And he was teaching Philip, hey, you don't need to worry about it. I've got it under control because he says this, the Bible says, to prove him. But Philip looks around and says, in verse 7, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little let me just say this, that when our perceived problems, and they are problems, they are difficult situations, come into our lives, Jesus already knows how it's going to end up. God already has a plan. You know what, it's one thing to go into something and not have a plan. But let me just say this, God has a plan. He has a plan for everything that comes in life. Nothing comes in this life that's a shock to God. Isaiah 55, verse number 8, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And again, we don't see things as God sees them. We look at this perceived problem and say, Hey, there's so many people here, and not only are there so many people here, we're hungry. And not only are we hungry, and it points out that the individuals here are 5,000 men, okay? And uh, I don't know about you, but raising a teenage son, they tend to eat a lot of food. They tend to have bottomless stomachs. We were recently with our family, and uh, one of my brother-in-laws has four sons. And they asked him, they said, hey, how many pizzas Dessert, they're asking, hey, we're going to get pizza for everybody. We're like, okay, that's, that's a good thing. We can do that. And they, they were asking a text message, hey, how many pizzas does your family eat? And I'm thinking of my family, and we eat one pizza. Amen? That's, that, we eat about one pizza. And uh, we're hungry an hour later, but we eat one pizza. But they asked this one family, hey, how many pizzas do you eat? And this is a family of uh, 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 seven total, is that correct, four what am I missing? So total of six, three sons, three sons, one daughter. Okay, so three teenage sons, okay, or close to it there, there are. And they said, hey, how many pizzas for your family? And they said, oh, we eat four. And I'm sitting there thinking there is no way that they eat four pizzas. But one of their sons, he's 15, did he just turn 16? Just turned 16, and he's like six foot three. And he's a growing boy, and I look up to him, and I shake him around a little bit. But uh, 
They said four pizzas, and I'm like, four pizzas, what in the world? And uh, we're just thinking about how many pizzas that they eat and so on and so forth. But again, uh, uh, you, you talk about growing board. We're talking about 5,000 men, let alone women and children. And they have to feed them all. So there's a predicament, there's a problem that these people foresee. Hey, how are we going to do it? But again, all of this was done that Jesus' name would be glorified in the end. And let me dare say this, that all of our problems here in this life, sometimes they're there so that God can just get the glory in the end. And we look at it and say, hey, it's impossible. Hey, there's no way out of this situation. Hey, I'm not sure these folks are just going to have to go home and find something else to eat because we don't have enough and we don't have enough money to buy them food either. And then somebody else shows up. It says in verse number 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? So here we have another individual. We have Andrew. And uh, I'm not sure that if, if somebody, if I was one of the disciples at that time, and the predicament and the problem is there's not enough food, and we look around the crowd that's here tonight, and there's not 5,000 men that are here. Uh, there's close to it, but not enough. But uh, if we had just the crowd that's here of men, and then we had a hunter would say, hey, uh, we've got a problem. What are we going to do? And there's a stir among the people, and they're saying, hey, if we spend all this money, we still can't feed everybody, and we don't have that money to begin with. And hunter comes up and says, hey. I got something. And I'm like, what do you got? And I'm thinking, what's he's got in his car? What's he got on the way? He's got delivery on the way. And he says, right here, a brown paper bag. And he opens it up and there's five barley loaves and two small fishes. I think if it was me, just like if it was any one of you, I'd say, why don't you just pack that back up and have a seat? Like that's, that's not gonna be enough to feed anybody, let alone 5,000 people and women and children beside all this, but yet, here we have Andrew that comes up and presents it and says, hey, we've got somebody here who has something. But then he classifies that statement and says, but what are they among so many? What does it matter? Because the problem is so great that this is not going to solve the problem. I'm just looking around the room at all of our rich folks here tonight. I know we have a lot of them. I'm looking around here. How many have a $20 bill? You pull it out real quick. Just look around. Anybody at all have a $20 bill? Anybody? I promise that you'll get it back. I will give it back. I'm not going to take it and keep it for myself. Anybody at all? Brother Tony, thank you so much. Does anybody have a $50 bill? Brother Tony, just let me know. Uh, this is yours at the end. Anybody have a $50 bill? Anybody at all? I'm just seeing the rich folks in here tonight. Any 50s? No 50s at all. Uh, okay, we've got one back here. Where, where at? Where at? Okay, Miss Phyllis. Does anybody have a $100 bill? Anybody a hundred? Good, Miss Phyllis. I didn't even know. You're my new best friend. All right, we got a hundred? We got a hundred over here. All right, here we go. I just want to put this in perspective, okay? So we would look tonight, and you say, you say, watch this. Brother Dan came to the church service with no money, and he left with $170, amen? And you look at that and say, hey, that's pretty good. He walked away with that. But uh, if we were to say tonight, just to put this into perspective, so if we were to say, hey, I'm going to give you $20, I'm going to give this away, 
to somebody here tonight. And what I want you to do is I want you to go over to Speedway and get as many Slurpees as you can with this $20. You would walk out with so many Slurpees you couldn't carry them all. And if I said, hey, you had to drink $20 worth of Coke Slurpees at Speedway, how many think they could accomplish that task? <laughs> My wife raises her hand. Not in one setting anyway. And uh, she loves Slurpees. That's why I use that illustration. They're a little bit over a dollar. So you may be able to get eight, 16, 17, 18 of the large Slurpees, you know? And that'd be pretty good. If I told you, hey, you can go over to the bookstore and get $20 worth of Mentos that you can have during the service. You say, how many is that? That's 20 packs of Mentos. I'm not sure if you could. I've watched some of the teenagers, and they're down in those Mentos, and I watch my son sometimes, and he grabs a whole handful of Tic Tacs, and he's going like this as he's eating them during the service. You can get a lot of Mentos and Tic Tacs, but we're not just talking about $20. What about $50? If I were to say, hey, I'm going to give you $50, and what I want you to do is go get $50 worth of Slurpees from Speedway and I want you to drink them all. You got to drink them all though. You can't leave anything behind or $50 worth of Mentos, but not just 50. Hey, we're going to give you $100 to go to the bookstore and get Mentos. And those are all yours so you can stay awake during the service. Amen. $100 worth of Mentos. You say, well, where are you going with this? And I'll give that money back to you. You say, where are you going with this? If you were to say, hey, look, let's put it into perspective now. $20 when you're talking about Slurpees is a large amount of money. $50 when you're talking about Slurpees or Mentos is a lot of money. $100 worth of Slurpees. That's a lot of Slurpees. But here's the problem. If I were to tell you to take the biggest bill that's out here, this $100 bill, and I want you to go out and buy a car, and, and not the kind of car that my mom, I was talking about garage sales, and she commented and said, ask him where he got his first car from. I have nothing against garage sales. It was an illustration, folks. And I go home, and my wife said, well, I was going to have a garage sale, but now I can't have one. I, I have nothing against garage sales. Amen. I was just using an illustration. But uh, nonetheless, if I were to say, you got to go buy a new car at Discovery Toyota or White Chevrolet, and I'm going to give you $100 to go buy a car over there. I would dare say if you walked in there and said, hey, I want to buy a car. And they say, okay, uh, how, how would you like to pay for this? I got cash. And they would say, you came with cash. And you pulled it out and said, I just got it out of the bank. It's a crisp $100 bill. It's right there. I'm looking for my new car. I would dare say they'd probably laugh at you. And uh, they probably would not even let you test drive one if that's how, the, the philosophy that you came in. If I told you, hey, you're going to take this $100 and I want you to go buy a house. You have no credit. You have nothing in the bank. But hey, I've got $100 and I'd like to buy a house with this or a, a new boat with this or I'd like to buy, uh, uh, we won't even talk about guns and things like that. But uh, nonetheless, if you were to come to someone and say, hey, I, I come to a real estate agent and you say, hey, we've got this house for sale. And you, you kind of look at them and say, but I've got, I've got $100. Would you take $100? They're probably going to say, uh... We're not even going to present this. Well, just present the offer. I mean, I've got it here. It's all cash, an all-cash offer for $100. You say, why are you using that illustration? Here we have a situation where somebody is bringing something, $100 to the real estate table. And I think if I was Andrew at that time, that I would have said, hey, 
What you have is great, but what is it compared to the need that we have? And I think sometimes, you know, I preached a message on do what you can. I think sometimes in our lives we can look at what we have to offer God. We can look at with our eyes and our talents and our abilities and we can seem very small in God's eyes. We can seem very small at Victory Baptist Church just to say, what do I have to offer? I don't have talents and I don't have a lot of money and I don't have a, a lot of abilities, so what can I do? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit here and not offer what I have. Let me just say this. I have three points. The first one was for God to do something great in the statement of what are they among so many. Number one, this individual was willing to give God what he had. He was willing to give God what he had. And by the way, it'd be easy to say, hey, I've got a million dollars in the bank, and so I'm going to give God a couple hundred thousand, or I'm going to give God a large chunk of that, and look at what it can do for the cause of Christ. But let me just say this, that God is not looking for those with the big bank accounts. He's looking for those to be faithful with what you already have. The question is, are we willing to give it to God? And again, sometimes I think we can get caught up with thinking, hey, this is all I have, though. And if this is all that I have, then it's mine. When the reality is that everything that we have is God's to begin with. How was God able to do something great? How was God able to do the impossible? Could God have done it without this lad? Could God have done it without this small bag of lunch? I mean, maybe he could. But I think there's a greater illustration here of Hey, you know what? Are you willing to give God what you have? And again, I think this uh, lad could have been turned away and we don't know his name. They could have said, hey, what you have is insignificant. What you have is not important compared to the great need. And we can feel that way about our talents. We can feel that way about our treasures. We can feel that way about our abilities that I can't do anything great and I can't do anything strong, so I'm just going to keep it for myself. But the reality is all God wants you to do is be willing to give what you have. You say, I don't have anything. We'll give God what you have. I'm not intelligent. We'll give, give God what you have. I don't have much. We'll get God what you have. There's a song that says, in the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for all to do. Hark the master's voice is calling to the harvest, calling you. Does the place you're called to labor and does the place you're called to labor uh, seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, for he'll not forsake his own. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Little is much when God is in it. Say, well, I'm not talented. We'll give God what you have. You know, the devil comes to us and they tells us that we have little or nothing to offer, so we shouldn't do anything about it. But I'm glad the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 27, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. That's me. 
That's us here tonight. Hey, when we do something for God, you know what? God steps in and does something great with it. Why is that? So God can get the glory. God wouldn't have got the glory if there would have been some great fisherman there and he caught some whale and he's like, hey, let's fillet it up and do it whatever else. But that's not how God chooses to use folks. He chooses to use those who are just willing to give God what they have. The question tonight is, are you willing to give God what you have, even if it seems small, even if it seems insignificant? Number two, God took what he had and he multiplied it. There's something amazing that happens when we give God what we perceive as small. When we give God what we perceive as insignificant. When we give God what we think is not amounting to much. You know what we give to God, when we give it to Him, He can do the impossible with it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The Bible says exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. You know what? God can take the weak and make them strong. God can take the poor and make them rich. God can take the lowly and make them great. God can take the little and make it much. But you know what? First of all, we have to be willing to give God what we have. And when we do, you know what God can do? Hey, He can do something great. Hey, He can multiply it. Hey, He can take us and, and our lives and uh, the mess that they can get when we try and do things ourselves. And God can take that mess and He can turn it around so that He can ultimately get the honor and He can ultimately get the glory. Why? Because God steps in. But you know what? For God to step in, first of all, we have to be willing to give Him what we have. Are you willing to give God what you have? Because if you are, you know what? He can take it, number two, and multiply it. And then number three, the Bible says the whole purpose, or the, the Bible doesn't say my outline says, the whole purpose for this event that takes place was for God to get the glory. You know what we should do? We should stop focusing on ourselves. We should stop focusing on our abilities. We should stop focusing on our talents. We should stop focusing on our financial situations and focus on Christ. Why do the dilemmas come? Why do the problems come? So that God can get the glory. We need to focus on God, focus on giving Him what we have, focus on living for Him. Because you know what? It's when we do that that God can take our mess and He can turn it into something great. And again, in our eyes, it's something that's insignificant. If we were to say, hey, we're going to start a building project here for the church, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise money tonight for a new building, and this building is going to cost a million dollars. And we need all the cash to come in, and we counted up all the cash for a million-dollar project, and we've got $1,000. And then we left discouraged, thinking all we have is 1%, or less than 1% of a million dollars. You say, hey, it's so insignificant. But let me just say this, when we give something back to God, God does something with it on His end, and He gives us exceedingly, abundantly, more than we ask or think. See, does that mean if I put $100 in the offering plate, he's going to give me back 1000 No, but I can say this, that God has said that you can't outgive God. Hey, that we need God's blessing and we need God's power and we need God's presence. And how does that come? It comes through giving and not just with our finances. It comes through giving of our time. It comes through giving of our talents. And so many folks in here are involved in the church and do things for the church. And as I even mentioned on, on Sunday, and we can look and say, well, I'm not talented or I can't do this or I can't do that. But do what you can, amen. 
Do what you can. There's a place, there's something for you to do. Why give God what we have? Is it really going to make a difference? And the Bible speaks over and over again about the value of one. Jesus talks about a shepherd having a hundred sheep and losing one. And he left the 99 sheep to find the one. In Luke 15, 7, it says, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance. A woman has 10 coins and loses one and she looks diligently and finds it and is exciting. And in Luke 15, 10, it says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And then following that is the parable of the lost son. And the Bible says in Luke 15, 20, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father was looking for that one. You know, there's value in one, but we look at one as an insignificant number. We said, hey, I'm going to have a basketball team. How many are on your team? One. Hey, I'm going to have a baseball team. How many are on your team? One. How many dollars do you have in your pocket? One. We look at that number as very insignificant. But let me just say this, that God can take that one and he could do great things with it. Why? Because then he gets the glory. Are you willing to give God what you have? You know what? God took it and he multiplied it. And the whole purpose was for God to get the glory. You say, but what I have is insignificant. What I, what I have, it doesn't amount to much. You've heard the illustration before. One day a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy picking up and gently throwing into the ocean something. Approaching the boy, he asked, what are you doing? The boy replied, throwing starfish back into the ocean. The surf is up and the tide is going out. If I don't throw them back, they're going to dry up and die. Son, the man said, don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach and hundreds, maybe thousands of starfish? You can't make a difference. As the boy's listening and continue walking, he bends down, picks up another starfish, throws it back into the water. He then smiles at the man and he said, I made a difference for that one. That's what our lives are about. You may look at the ministries we have at the church and say, well, I'm not the head of that ministry or how, I'm, how, how, am what, how is what I'm doing making a difference? And then we hear about one getting saved. And you say, well, I wasn't the one who led him to Christ. Well, you know what? The Bible says one man waters. Somebody else sows and somebody else reaps. You may just be the friendly face, as Brother Alton was, that greets them. And I say only, that's a significant role. You may be the greeter. Hey, you may be the one that just says hi. And then they feel encouraged and feel like they're a part of the service that prompts them when the invitation is given to come forward and somebody else leads them to Christ. We all have a part in that. The question is, what part, what role are you playing you say, well, I'm not sure what role I'm playing. All you have to do is be willing to give God what you have. And what happens? God takes it and he multiplies it. And the next thing you know, there's great singing and rejoicing going on because God has done something great. But where did it start? Somebody was willing to give God what they had. And it was small. It was very small, especially compared to the perceived problem. But you know what? God can do the great with just the small. Are, are, are we weak today? Are we insignificant? Do we get discouraged? Do we get defeated? Yeah. 
But you know what? Just give it to God. You know what? God can do something with it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.